Here is a sermon message from Somerville Community Baptist Church. To hear more sermons like this, please visit iloveSCBC.org. We finish up this morning as we look at character under construction. And during the previous weeks, we've looked at the issues of anger. We've looked at temptation. Last week, we looked at the fruits of the Spirit and heard about the love to which we are called. And as we've looked at these issues of character under construction, we're reminded that we are not finished products. No one here is the person that God has called us to be. We remain short of the glory to which God has put upon us. We indeed are people who were under construction. We are being built by our God for the purpose of serving Him even greater. And as we go through these messages, I hope they've been encouraging to you. It's the reminder of we're not yet what God has called us to be. But we can be on the way. We can be on the way. And today we are looking at the issue of failure. And overcoming failure. And as we look at this issue of overcoming failure, we're going to be looking at Elijah. Elijah, perhaps the greatest prophet of God. And if Elijah can experience failure, then I assure you that you can experience failure. And as I'm looking out at there today, I see faces. I see faces that have experienced failure because we are human. Because we fall short of the standard to which God has called us. Because we try things that have not turned out like we wanted. We have pursued dreams that never materialized. We've lived through failed relationships. We have failed. But failure will not be our final moment. Through the power of God working in us, we have a chance. We have a chance to overcome failure. We're going to look at the story of Elijah today and look at him at his darkest moments. Look at his moments of utter despair. And we're going to see how he overcame failure. And hopefully in looking at how Elijah overcame failure, we'll feel some encouragement from that as well. So what's taking place in the story of Elijah is that he is indeed a great prophet of God. And he emerges in a time where there is a king who's named Ahab who is ruling over the land and Ahab is terrible. The Bible describes Ahab as the worst of the kings. God says before Ahab, there, there hasn't been anyone as bad as Ahab could be. Because Ahab is off pursuing his own things. And Ahab is married to Jezebel. And she's even worse than Ahab. These people are out pursuing their own things. Care nothing for God. So Elijah emerges onto the scene. And one of the first things Elijah does is he pronounces a drought. There'll be no rain. It's going to last three and a half years. Well, guess who Ahab blamed for this drought? 
Well, Elijah, of course. Who else would be responsible for the skies withholding the rain? Could it be evil Ahab and his wife? No, of course not. It must be the prophet who said there would be no rain. So Elijah is literally running for his life because Ahab wants to kill him. The idea of kill the messenger, I think that might have started with Elijah because that was exactly what was taking place. And at the end of this time, this is when we have Elijah who meets on Mount Carmel to have his duel with the prophets of Baal. 450 prophets of Baal. Verse 1, prophet of the Lord. That's Elijah. And there's this great moment on Mount Carmel where God's deliverance is shown and the people rally behind their Lord and they put the prophets of Baal to death. You know who's not too happy about that? That'd be Jezebel, Ahab's wife. Because you see, Jezebel, she kind of likes the prophets of Baal. They were her friends. They were her crew. You know, and in fact, Jezebel's been about the habit of killing the prophets of God. She kills them. She goes around the land, finds them, kills them, executes. This is the situation that Elijah finds himself in. Trying to be killed by the king. The prophets being killed by the king's wife. Sure, we see Elijah at that great moment defeating the prophets of Baal. But imagine the pressure of going 450 verses 1. He feels the pressure of the moment. And as our text begins today, Jezebel has said, I've got one target, and it's Elijah. We're going to kill him. Fear is real. Right? She kills prophets. There, there, there's no bluster there. She's coming to kill. It's at this point that Elijah has reached his breaking point. He's reached his low point. The pressures of years of people pursuing his life, the pressures of being alone in his pursuit of God, feeling isolated from everyone, those pressures finally come over him. And Elijah is with his servant. Elijah abandons his servant and wanders a day into the wilderness. And as he's there in the wilderness, he prays to God. Let us read this passage together. Elijah prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Elijah is ready to die. Literally praying to God, take my life. Death, at that point, felt much better than life to Elijah. So as we come today and look at this idea of overcoming failure, it's a message for the defeated. It's a message for those who have failed. And one of the things that often happens in the midst of defeat is that we isolate ourselves. We become alone. We move away from others. It's kind of like the Garden of Eden all over again. As Adam and Eve, in their moment of failure, 
Their first response was to hide themselves from God. That is like us. So often we seek to hide ourselves. Whatever area of defeat you may have experienced, that is often this feeling to hide yourself away, to move away from others, so that you might become unnoticed. So what are our areas of defeat? What are our areas of failure that we have experienced? Professional? Has your professional art not gone quite like you wanted it? Have you been fired from your job? Are you working a job that you don't like? Are you working a job that doesn't fill your skill set? Do you feel like a failure profession? Perhaps it's relational. Perhaps you've experienced broken marriages. Perhaps your family is disconnected. You look out. And you say, I've been a failure in my relationships. Perhaps it's spiritual. Perhaps you've seen yourself wander away from God. Move yourself away. That God that you once served so zealously, not so much anymore. Perhaps you've had illness, physical or mental. Perhaps your body has reminded you of its failure. Your body is breaking down. A message to the defeated is that God has not forgotten us. God has not forgotten us. And as we look at Elijah today, we are going to see that there is hope for the defeated. That we can overcome failure. And those worst of those moments are not the moments that will define us. Those worst of the moments are moments that we will use to move into a greater future. Perhaps one of the ironies of the story of Elijah is that while he prayed at this moment that God might take his very life, Elijah would be one of the very few people to never experience death as God would sweep him up into heaven. There is hope for us. One of the first things that we're going to look at today is that God finds. God finds us. When we have experienced failure, when we are defeated, God finds us. Even in our separation, even in our isolation, God comes and finds us. Just like God did to Adam and Eve in the garden when he went and searched them out and found them, God will come and find us. Let's look and see read this passage together as we see Elijah who is being found. Let's read this together. Then Elijah lay down under the bush, fell asleep all at once. An angel touched him and said, get up and eat. God found him. God used an angel to find Elijah. And if you don't think Elijah's defeat is real, if you don't think his failure is real at this moment, You know what happens to Elijah after this angel comes and finds him? He falls back asleep. You look through scripture and people are encountering angels. There's not a lot of examples of people encountering an angel and they're like, nice to see you, but you know, I'm laying back down. People are often so wowed, amazed at the sight of an angel. In awe. 
Elijah. The defeat is real. He is ready to give up. But God finds him. You know what? God finds us too. When you're defeated, God will find you. And there's all sorts of ways and all sorts of means that God can use to find us. One of the greatest ways is being in church. That's why I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you're here this Sunday. Because God will find you here. God will find you here. But sometimes we go running away from church, don't we? That's one of the things we do when we're defeated. We go running away. But even when we run away, God can still find us. Maybe it's through a verse that you happen to see. Maybe it's through a song that you hear. I think so often, maybe kind of like Elijah, it's through someone who finds you, someone who seeks you out. Someone who says, hey, I was just thinking about you. I've missed you. And as we mentioned, how people can be used by God to find the defeated. I encourage you to be the kind of person that God uses to find others. If God lays someone on your heart, someone you haven't thought about in a while, God says, hey, what about that person? Go seek them out. Go say hello. See what's going on in their life. Because God might be using you to find them. One of the things we also see is that God renews. God renews us. Defeat, isolation, they leave us depleted. They leave us empty of the energy that we need to go on. We feel the depletion emotionally. We can't feel. Physically, we're tired. We don't want to move on. Spiritually, it just seems dry. There's nothing there. We hear the words. We hear the songs. Maybe we're even in community. And we just don't. There's nothing. No connection for us. But you know what? God does seek to renew us. Let's read here about how the angel had to wake Elijah up again. Let's read this together. The angel of the Lord touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Elijah finally gets up, gets some food, gets replenished, gets physically filled again, because he's going to need that strength and energy to get himself out of that failure. One of the great obstacles that we find when we're in the midst of failure, when we're in the midst of defeat, is that we often want to rely on the very same thing that got us defeated, which is our own power and our own strength. It's through our own power that we become defeated. It's through relying upon our own strength that we have experienced that failure. But we continue to want to go along this path of self-help rather than pursuing the path of God's help. And I think one of the hardest things to do in pursuing God's help is to humble ourselves and say to God, I can't do it. Through the best of my efforts, I failed miserably. God, I need 
your help. That is a hard step for people to take. Because we continue to say, I've got it. If I just work harder, if I just get a little smarter, if I just see the right person, if I get, just get the right piece of advice, then I'll find my way out of this problem. But in the midst of defeat, in the midst of failure, at some point, we have to say, God, I need your help. I mentioned earlier to you that in the story of Elijah, the king of the time is Ahab, a most despicable man, pursuing his own pleasures, killing people on a whim, simply to take their things. Ahab, Ahab, you know what? Elijah eventually does get strong. And Elijah does continue to bring his message to Ahab. You're doing the wrong thing. And Ahab, this man so arrogant before God, so proud before God, who pursues his own evil pleasures, flaunting them in the face of Elijah, this great prophet of God. Eventually, Ahab, we are told, humbles himself before the Lord. This man, who is described as the worst of the kings, humbles himself before the Lord. There is hope that we can humble ourselves before the Lord. That we can come and say, God, I need your help. If Ahab can do it, then we can do it. So in those moments of defeat and failure, at some point, we need to say, God, I need your help. One of the things we also see is that God directs. God directs us. God not only finds us, he renews us to give us strength, but we are given the strength so that we can see God. God directs us. But do we go? It's a huge challenge for people. We need to go to God. And in those moments of failure, we still struggle with that idea of, I can do it myself. And even when we humble ourselves before God enough to say, I need your help, it's still an extra challenge to take those steps to move ourselves towards God. But that is exactly what Elijah had to do. He had to move himself towards God. Let's read this verse together. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Torah. The mountain of God. So Elijah has put himself on a path towards Horeb, the mountain of God. Now this location has been important in the story of God. This is, is the location that Moses experienced God at the burning bush and learned God's name. This is the place that Moses experienced the physical glory of God. It's the place that Moses received the law on the people's behalf. And a covenant was made between God and his people. It's a place of importance. It's the mountain of God. It's a 200-mile journey. Elijah takes 40 days and 40 nights to get there. Seems like it took a long time. Sometimes when we find ourselves returning to God, it's going to take a while. 
It's going to take a while. We might take a winding path back. We might not go the direct route. We're defeated people. When you're defeated, it's hard to walk straight. It's hard to go the quickest route. Elijah took a long time to make this trip, much longer than it seems like it would need. But why does he go to war? Why must he go to the mountain of God? Why doesn't God come meet Elijah where he is? Like, why doesn't God come speak to Elijah in the wilderness? God sent his messenger into the wilderness to get Elijah out of that moment of isolation. But that messenger said, you've got to go see God. Why does that happen? It's because God's saying, if you want to return to me, you've got to come here. I'll send people out there to tell you, I'm going to give you the strength that you need. That at some point, you've got to take the step towards God. You've got to take the movement towards God. And it's not an easy path. God says, you know what? In that midst of failure, you've run off and pursued your own thing. Now it's time to turn around and come back towards me. How can we do that in our own lives? How can we do that when we've experienced the failure around us? When we've experienced that defeat? So often, right, we run to be by ourselves. We don't want others to know. We hide ourselves away. But in coming back to God, we need to begin to maintain and follow spiritual discipline. Those things that you were doing when you were right with God, those things you were doing when you were experiencing victory, repeat them. Come to church. Read your Bible. Maybe there's some relationships in your life that need to end. Maybe there's some relationships in your life you need to restart. But if we want to experience that victory in Jesus, if we want to overcome failure, we've got to make our way back to God. And one of the things that we know is that when we come back to God is that God does listen to us. God hears us. And in this passage, we find Elijah experiencing the gentle whisper of God. Now, in the course of Scripture, this is the only place where God is associated with the gentle whisper. But the things that Elijah did not find God in, we do see those associated with God. So Elijah comes and he's there on the mountain. And as he's there, he experiences God, but first there's a wind that comes through. But God's not in the wind. You know what? God has been in the wind before. God used the wind to cross the Red Sea. Then there's an earthquake. God's not in the earthquake. But God has used an earthquake before to swallow up a group of unfaithful people. There's a fire. God's not in the fire. But God's used the fire before. There at the burning bush, God spoke from the fire. So these things that God has been in before, when they come to Elijah, they're not there. But God is there in the gentle whisper. Why is that? It would seem to be that God is speaking to Elijah in a way that Elijah needs to hear. God is ready to listen to Elijah. 
He's ready to hear what Elijah says. But in doing that, Elijah right now needs the God of the gentle whisper. At this moment in Elijah's life, he doesn't need the God of the wind. He doesn't need the God of the earthquake or the God of the fire. He needs the God of the gentle whisper. And that's the God that he experiences on that mountain. And bookend around God, Elijah's experience of God and the gentle whisper is a question that God asks. It asks on the front end of this and the back end of this. It says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you here? And Elijah answers, I'm your faithful servant. Look at what I've done. I've been serving you. I'm all alone. Which, by the way, isn't true. Just in the previous chapter, we've learned that Obadiah has been helping to hide God's prophets. In fact, he's hit a hundred of them. So as Elijah comes to God and he's talking to him, Elijah's got his facts all wrong. He's talking. He's talking and God's listening. And God's listening. And as the passage continues on, God asks him again, what are you doing here, Elijah? I'm going to read a little bit of the passage. And then we'll look at the verse that is on the screen. Let me read this experience of Elijah experiencing God as the gentle whisper. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. He went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And let's read this verse again. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah goes through it again. I'm your faithful servant. I'm all alone. One of the things I want to see with Elijah as he comes and he speaks to God, not only is God listening to him, but God is listening to him because Elijah has come in honesty and not in complaint. There is a fine line between being honest with God and complaining to God. And the reason that we can look at Elijah and say he is being honest with God, even though he's distorted on the facts, to Elijah's experience, this is an honest statement before God. I'm all alone. I'm the only one. But you know what Elijah has done? We talked about before, is that he went to the mountain of God. He went to the mountain of God. And because he went to the mountain of God and found God, he can bring his complaint to God. He can bring his frustration to God. And he can bring it in honesty, and God listens to him. In the wilderness, that wasn't the time to complain to God. That just seems like someone complaining about what God has brought upon their life. God's not much into complainers. But God's good with honesty. And that's what we see with Elijah. Is that God says, yeah, Elijah, I hear you. I hear you. You can be honest with me. 
So in those moments of failure, when we have experienced defeat, go find God. Put yourself in God's presence. And you can be honest. God, I feel like a failure. I've given everything I've had and it doesn't work. God, those relationships I tried to repair, I can't get them fixed. I tried to serve you faithfully, but I keep doing the wrong thing. Those patterns of behavior that come back again and again, I can't defeat them. feel alone. I feel alone. And in that moment, we find that God, God speaks. After hearing Elijah's complaint, God speaks to him. And as God speaks to him, essentially what he says to Elijah is, Elijah, I got it. I got it. Elijah, you're seeing life and you're just seeing it through your own eyes. You've seen it through your own experience, but I see it so much bigger. God's like, I've got a plan in place, Lord. I've got some things for you to go do. I've got some kings for you to anoint. I need you to go find a friend who's going to work with you. His name's Elisha. I've got it. God speaks to him. And God encourages him. And in those moments of failure, in those moments of defeat, there's nothing more beautiful than the words of God coming to you. There's nothing more beautiful than the words of God saying, I've got it. It's good. It's bad, I know. But there's a way out. There's a way out because I'm a big God and I've got a big view. And I'm going to help you see that it's a lot bigger than just you. And as we continue on, God certainly does. As you were to keep reading here in the book of Kings, you would see this deliverance being played out. Those promises that God has given to Elijah, they come true. That deliverance that God says, Elijah's coming your way, it happens. God indeed does deliver Elijah out of that moment of failure. And as we spoke earlier, Elijah, a man who was ready to die, ends up being the kind of person that doesn't experience death at all, but simply brought up into heaven. As we come to the end of the day's message, I hope there's two encouraging things for you. I hope there's two. The first, if you are currently defeated, if you are currently experiencing failure, deliverance is possible. Deliverance is possible. The story of Elijah is your story today. Doesn't mean it's an easy path out, but deliverance is possible. And sometimes if you're in that moment of failure, if you're in that moment of defeat, to at least know that somewhere along the way, victory awaits, it's a good thing. That's a good thing. Next thing. If right now in your life you're like, man, I'm going pretty good. You know, I'm not, I'm not in failure. I'm not in defeat. I'm okay right now. And that's great. That's great. You know, and one of the things this passage tells us about is that it's okay to be defeated. It's okay to fail. Because God will bring us out of that. God can deliver us from that. And my encouragement to you today, if you're not currently experiencing failure, if you're not currently experiencing defeat, 
What might it be like to live a life where you risk failure, that you risk defeat? Not just for your own benefit, but maybe you need to take that professional chance. Maybe you do. But what might it look like if you were to take that chance for the glory of God? What might it be like for you to go love someone who's hard to love and someone who can hurt you? Someone who can bring defeat into your life. You know what? God will deliver me. I may, I may get defeated, but God will deliver me. What might it look like in your life to forgive someone? And you know in that forgiveness there might be defeat. But God, God's there for you. You know, God can bring you out of that. Because one of the things that we see in the course of Scripture, but also in our lives, is that defeat often moves us to a greater success than we experienced before. It has the capacity to do that. And there's certainly no greater example of that than what we see of Jesus Christ, who was defeated on the cross. Death came, but God raised him up from the dead with the Holy Spirit in abundance around. Victory is possible. Victory is possible. So for you today, I encourage you to be willing to risk defeat, to risk failure. Let me close this in prayer. God, we do come before you today and pray that we would be people who are bold and serving you. God, that we would be people like Elijah. God, who serve you in the most difficult moments and even in the the worst of those moments, God, we find ourselves encouraged. So God, I pray for each and every one of us that we would be people who are able to overcome things, people who are able to humble ourselves before you and say, help. God, let us be people who love you and love those of us. We ask all of us in your name. Amen.